This is the mop-up for February 13th, 2024. I'm David Feldman in New York City, where we're expecting our first snow in two years. Thank you for finding me. The Senate is in the final stages of passing a $95 billion national security package that would deliver aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. It's planning to send it to the House possibly later today. But Speaker Mike Johnson said late Monday night, don't bother. I will not bring it to the floor for a vote because there's nothing in it for border security. But there's nothing in it for border security because Donald Trump specifically ordered you, Mike Johnson, not to do anything about the border because he needs it as an issue to run on against Joe Biden and the Democrats. We all know this. Republican Senator Mitt Romney and Republican Senator James Lankford have said this openly in the well of the Senate and the halls of the Congress. We all know this. You're not allowed to solve the border bill until Trump is president because Joe Biden can't take credit for anything positive when it comes to addressing the migrant issue. And God forbid Trump becomes president. He's not going to touch the migrant issue. He didn't the first time he was president. He needs the migrants. He needs the scapegoat. So not only are Republicans willing to let the migrant problem fester, and it is a problem in that we do need more immigration judges to process these people. The Republicans are are willing to let these migrants suffer at the border, and they are also willing to let Russia have Ukraine, which begs the question, should the new chairman of the RNC be Vladimir Putin? Because it sure seems as though he's still running the party. Now, Trump wants his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, to replace outgoing hack Ronna McDaniel. And while Lara Trump does a pretty decent version of Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down, It's nothing compared to Vladimir Putin, who won't back down. Putin has been running the Republican show since at least 2015. And how can anyone not see this? His whole thing is sowing dysfunction in the West. And it sure looks like the Republican Party, which still gets dirty money from Russian oligarchs, is still doing everything Vladimir Putin wants. He's given Vladimir Putin everything he wants. Chaos on the southern border. We have no budget and no money for Ukraine. Now, I've been saying for two years that Joe Biden is fighting Putin in Ukraine because Putin is fighting us here. And Biden has forced the Republicans to show their hand on Russia. They've shown it. More and more Republicans are openly admitting they're rooting against Ukraine and for Vladimir Putin, the great Christian white hope. He's everything they want. He oppresses ethnic minorities and is anti-democratic, and he persecutes the LGBTQ community. What What's not to love about Vladimir Putin if you're Republican? It's no coincidence that Tucker Carlson just interviewed Putin and came back to America calling Moscow 
cleaner and better than any big city in America. You might want to move there, Tucker. During his interview with Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin said he wanted Ukraine and America to join him at the bargaining table to negotiate a peace. But on Friday, the Biden White House dismissed Putin's comments as political theater. Now, I don't trust Tucker Carlson. I don't trust Vladimir Putin. But anytime somebody says, let's negotiate peace, I, I don't see what the harm is. But then again, what do I, what do I know? As Russiagate continues to lose currency among the American people, despite the Mueller report showing Russia and Trump did in fact collude in 2016, and despite the Durham report unable to prove that Russia and Trump didn't collude, despite all that, we are now seeing a Republican Party that is more, not less, in the thrall of Vladimir Putin. The dysfunction in the House, the inability to get funding for the border or Ukraine, should stop all of us from wondering why Trump has so much influence over the party. Because it's not Trump. It's Putin. It's Putin, and it always has been. Over the weekend, Donald Trump sent a love letter to Vladimir Putin telling his audience that as president, he would go after deadbeat NATO countries that don't pay their fair share for collective defense. He would get even with delinquent members of NATO by inviting Vladimir Putin to invade them. He said that. And not a single Republican, not a single Republican criticized him for that. Trump said of NATO that America has to get tough with delinquent actors who don't pay their bills. Yeah, because Donald Trump may be many things, but as a businessman, he saw to it that he never owed anyone money. Yeah, he never owed anyone money because he would declare bankruptcy at least six times and pay his creditors back pennies on the dollar. Trump has made no secret that he wants to pull America out of NATO. And who would that benefit? Hmm, let me think. Who would benefit if he pulled America out of NATO? By the way, he can't. Late last year, Congress passed a bill that reminded everyone that NATO is, in fact, a treaty, and a president can't pull out of NATO unilaterally, according to this new legislation, which is just a reminder that he will need full approval of the Senate if he tries to pull America out of NATO. Then Trump made fun of Nikki Haley for campaigning solo without her husband. Where's her husband? Where's Nikki's husband? Trump asked. Uh, In the Horn of Africa, serving in our nation's military? On Sunday, Nikki Haley called out every Republican for not challenging Trump's incessant belittling of our troops. She said, quote, why is there silence from the Republican Party? Like, where is everybody? Where are the Republicans in defense of our men and women in uniform that sacrifice for us and protect our country? That's what she said. Suddenly, she's discovered this is the party of draft-dodging chicken hawks, 
Bush, Cheney, Trump, not a veteran amongst them. All of a sudden, she's learned this. This is who the Republicans have always been. They can't wait to send someone else's son and daughter, or Nikki Haley's case, husband, off to war. Now, when Haley drops out, she will most certainly endorse Donald Trump. And she will campaign for him and vote for him. And anyone who votes for a man who calls her husband a sucker and a loser because he's off fighting for America is a sucker and a loser. Nikki Haley has always been a sucker and a loser. By the way, where's Melania? Trump is so busy asking about Nikki Haley's husband. Where's Melania? Off fighting for America? We haven't seen Melania. Haven't seen her once on the campaign trail with Donald. It's a funny thing about wives. They tend to feel humiliated right after their husband gets ordered to pay $83.3 million in damages to the woman he raped. And they get extra humiliated because of things like, oh, I don't know, next month her husband's going on trial for hiding hush money payments to the porn star he slept with right after Melania gave birth to their son. Some women find that humiliating. It's weird how wives hold on to things. They just won't let certain things go. Well, the California primaries for Senate is March 5th, and early voting has already begun. Now, because close to half of all Californians are registered Democrats, and only 24% of Californians are Republicans, the winner of the March 5th primary is most likely going to end up elected to the Senate in November. The seat up for grabs belonged to Dianne Feinstein, who died last year. The leading candidates held a debate last night. It's an embarrassment of riches. There's Congresswoman Barbara Lee. She's on the left. She represents California's 12th congressional district. Barbara Lee was the only member of the House of Representatives to vote against George Bush's war authorization to invade Afghanistan. Right there. She deserves. Only member of the House. She deserves to be senator. Then there's Katie Porter, who's been on this show. She represents California's 47th district. A student of Elizabeth Warren's, Porter has distinguished herself as a vocal critic of the banking and credit card industry. And there's Adam Schiff of California's 30th Congressional District, who was censured last year by the Republican-controlled House for his unrelenting pursuit of Donald Trump when Schiff served on the House Intelligence Committee, plus all his work on the January 6th committee. And he was an impeachment manager twice. I think he was twice. So these are the three candidates in California, and we only get one out of those three. But Wyoming gets two senators. North Dakota, East Dakota get... This is why things are screwed up. Israel's ground invasion of Gaza is now moving towards the southern part of the Strip, where nearly 1.4 million Palestinians are huddling after relocating there to get out of harm's way. 
President Biden issued a stern warning to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu Monday, telling him that before the next phase of this ground operation in southern Gaza, Netanyahu must make a better effort to avoid civilian casualties. Biden spoke to Netanyahu for the first time in three weeks on Saturday. So, have you been? You can't pick up a phone? Biden expressed concern with the skyrocketing civilian deaths. King Abdullah of Jordan met with Biden in the White House Monday, where the two are said to be working on a six-week ceasefire between Israel and Hamas in exchange for Hamas releasing the remaining hostages. Biden said he hopes the ceasefire would remain permanent. Israel announced it freed two hostages being held in Gaza's southern city of Rafah. Dozens of Palestinians were killed in the effort. Hamas said three Israeli hostages were killed this week by Israeli airstrikes. On Monday, Democratic Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland accused Israel of committing war crimes in the Gaza Strip. Meanwhile, President Biden seems to have calmed down after the special counsel looking into his handling of classified materials issued a statement saying he wouldn't prosecute Biden because a jury couldn't convict a well-intentioned older man with a faulty memory. What the special prosecutor left out is who's also innocent. Special prosecutor said he's innocent. Special counsel Robert Hur, a Republican appointee, wrote in his report that Biden's memory was flawed and was unable to remember the years he was vice president or when his son Beau died from brain cancer. Biden responded by telling reporters, how in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of his damn business. I don't need anyone to remind me when my son passed away. The special counsel said Biden mishandled classified documents pertaining to the war in Afghanistan when he showed them to an author writing a biography of the then former vice president. But the special counsel added that while Biden mishandled classified documents, it paled in comparison to what Trump did, his refusal to hand documents over to the FBI, hiding classified documents from the FBI. The special counsel's comments about Biden's memory were seen by many to be gratuitous and, of course, political. Attorney General Merrick Garland's old Harvard law professor, Lawrence Tribe, said Garland should have redacted the special counsel's unsolicited comments about our president's mental acuity. Tribe then accused Merrick Garland of bending over backwards to appease Republicans by going out of his way not to appear in any way to favor Joe Biden. You know, the way Bill Barr did with Trump. But Republicans who insist the Justice Department can never be trusted and should be defunded, well, they jumped on the special counsel's comments about the president's memory. They, they said that's proof positive that Biden is incapacitated. 
Congresswoman Claudia Tenney fired off a letter to the Attorney General demanding he begin exploring the process of invoking the 25th Amendment and forcing the Cabinet to vote on whether to remove Biden from office due to his mental incapacitation. You know, the same letter she wrote when Donald Trump ordered an invasion of our nation's capital. A new ABC News survey of Americans, survey of Americans, not likely voters, Americans, found that 86% say Biden is too old to serve another term. 75% said Trump is too old. So it's basically a choice between senility and insanity. I'll take a well-meaning grandpa who lost his step over the Night Stalker. Meanwhile, the three Republican committee chairs leading the Biden impeachment inquiry are now requesting transcripts of special counsel Hur's interview with Biden, during which the president was forced to answer questions about those classified documents that ended up in his garage after he left the Obama White House. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, House Oversight Committee Chairman Jim Comer, and House Ways and Means Chair Jason Smith are leading this impeachment probe and are now intimating that they believe Joe Biden held on to these classified documents in order to profit from them in his foreign business dealings. I, I, I think you've mistaken him for Donald Trump. Special counsel Her couldn't prosecute Biden because there was nothing there. And he pointed out in his report that what Trump is accused of is far more serious. You know, violating the Espionage Act. Donald Trump has been indicted for violating the Espionage Act. But the House Republicans are desperate to use anything to pretend they have evidence. Back in December, the full House voted to authorize an impeachment probe, which means these three committee chairs can call upon the FBI, the Justice Department, and the Internal Revenue Service to assist in turning over all, quote-unquote, relevant documents. Yep, there they are again, doing the people's business, working hard every day, those Republicans, working hard for the American people. A week ago, today, a Washington, D.C. Circuit Court upheld Judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling in Donald Trump's election interference case, rejecting the former president's motion that ex-presidents have absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for anything they did while in office. During oral arguments, one of Trump's lawyers famously said that as President Trump could order Navy SEALs to assassinate a political opponent, and the only remedy would be for an impeachment trial and a conviction in the Senate, and then, and only then, could there maybe, perhaps, be a criminal trial. Donald Trump had until yesterday to ask the Supreme Court to rule on the circuit court's ruling. In a 39-page motion, Trump's lawyers officially requested that the nine justices of our Supreme Court not hear the case until it has gone through what Trump's attorneys call the proper appellate process. 
I believe in law school they call this bogging lady justice down in flypaper. In other words, they want to delay. Last week's ruling was handed down by a panel of just three judges who sit on the D.C. Circuit Court, and Trump's lawyers are now demanding that instead of the issue going straight to the Supreme Court, it must be heard by the entire district court. Slow it down. We, we do not want the Supreme Court to take this. Let's go through the proper channels. We don't want three judges. We want the entire D.C. Circuit Court. Delay, delay, delay. Until Trump gets elected. Just keep delaying until Trump gets elected, and then he gets to shut down the investigation, as well as our entire democracy. Most legal scholars agree the Supreme Court will eventually either refuse to take the case, thereby allowing the lower D.C. court's ruling against Trump to stand, or they will hear the case but very quickly rule against presidential immunity. Trump's D.C. election interference trial was scheduled for the first week of March, but has now been put on indefinite hold until the Supreme Court makes its decision. His criminal indictment in Manhattan, scheduled for March, is still on the docket. An evidentiary hearing has been scheduled for Friday inside a Fulton County courtroom to determine whether District Attorney Fonnie Willis should be disqualified from the RICO trial where Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants are charged with attempting to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. One of the defendants, Mike Roman, who was director of Donald Trump's 2020 Election Day operations, he's accusing Willis and the lead prosecutor, Nathan Wade, of profiting financially off Wade's salary uh, because they took three vacations together. Nathan Wade is the, the special prosecutor trying the case. He was hired by... Fonnie Willis, and apparently they took three vacations together, and if that's true, if Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade took three vacations together, and they could possibly have a romantic relationship, then that can only mean one thing, Donald Trump is innocent. Donald Trump didn't try to overturn the 2020 presidential election results, and the entire RICO trial needs to be thrown out. Willis has admitted to having a relationship with Wade, but the, you know, the Trump smear machine is implying that, get ready for this, she hired Nathan Wade, paid him the going rate of $250 an hour. That's what all the other outside attorneys who were brought in are getting paid. She pays him $250 an hour because she wanted him to buy air line tickets, and hotel rooms for their three vacations. Now, Wade says they split the, the tickets in the hotel room. He put it on his credit card. He got reimbursed. But the Republicans, they're, they're spinning this. It's a kickback. Nathan Wade is being paid $250 an hour, the going rate, because Fonnie Willis wants a kickback for three vacations. 
And that means that Trump and the co-defendants are all innocent because whatever. During Friday's evidentiary hearing, defense lawyers will try to get Fonnie Willis thrown off the case and get the charges dismissed because her relationship with Nathan Wade proves a conflict of interest. In what? Oh, wait, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be anything other than throwing dirt in everybody's eyes. There's no conflict of interest. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Georgia law specifically states that a prosecutor only has a conflict of interest when they have a personal or financial stake in the conviction of the person they've put on trial, period. This is a friendship she has with Nathan Wade. Has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Voters in New York's 3rd Congressional District decide today on who will replace Republican George Santos, the disgraced ex-member of Congress who was ejected late last year for, well, you name it. Democrat Tom Suozzi, who held the seat for three terms and quit to launch his failed bid for governor, leads Republican Maisie Phillip, or Pillip, Maisie Pillip, by four points in the latest polls. Swazi's running for his old seat. With Republicans holding on to a razor-thin majority in the House, flipping this seat from red to blue will make it next to impossible for Speaker Mike Johnson to accomplish anything before November. But even if it flips or stays red, Mike Johnson isn't going to accomplish anything before November because Putin won't let him. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you all. 